Yo, 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 this your boy Just, and I'm back. This time I got like a little bit of a movie review, you know what I'm saying? I love the Turtles, and uh, I did a couple episodes already with talking about Ninja Turtles with the homie Matt from Smackin' and Raw, Travis from Croatia World, and TC Fontaine from Young Kings Wrestling. So I gotta send a shout out to those guys. Um, but this time, I got a friend of the calf, a homie, you know what I'm saying? Um, Will Gray from Bosch Potch Chair Shots. Did I mess it up? I think I messed it up a little bit. Um, you got it. But yeah, but you know, like you said, you know, shift by trade, mark by choice. You know what I'm saying? How you been, homie? Man, I'm I'm glad to be here. It's always nice to uh to step out of the wrestling ring, so to speak, and uh, to talk on something that isn't in the squared circle. So uh, especially something near and dear to my heart, like the turtles. So I'm uh, I'm excited for this one. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I and I know that we had talked about the turtles a little bit off air and like small chats and here and there. So I knew when this movie came out, I was like, okay, I have to get Will on here because uh, I know he shares uh, the same energy that I have for the turtles. So, but let's just start off with it, right? Ninja Turtles, turn uh, mutant mayhem. Um, what were your thoughts um, when you heard about the movie and seeing everything before we talk about the actual movie? Going into it, I didn't know what to expect. Um, mm -hmm. I'm from the, the OG generation. Yeah, like yeah, I was yeah. born in '85. So when they the, when the Same. original Turtles came out, I was the demographic and age group those were meant for. Uh, so I remember this shit from way back when I was a kid. Right. Uh, so looking at it, I was skeptical, but not in a bad way. I mm -hmm. saw when I saw Seth Rogen's name and. Uh, I was kind of like, okay, maybe he's going to do it right. Kind of put his spin on it. I wasn't really sure. Then the more I found out about it being more of an origin story than being kids, not mm -hmm. necessarily the same turtles we got. I was like, okay, this, this is going to be cool. I, I wasn't necessarily going into it with a, like a, a sour taste. Right. Right. But I, I was kind of like, okay, I know it's not going to be like our turtles. Mm-hmm. 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 I, I kind of had a little bit of the same opinion. And uh, when I heard that it was going to be a, a Rogan Goldberg um, movie, because, you know, they have written a bunch of classics from our generation that we love. Obviously, we're born around the same year, 84, 85. So we're very familiar with the Turtles. And I feel like through our lives, they've been so many different iterations and morphed into different things that the Turtles have become. You know, you had the, the comic book. And then you had the live action movie. And then you had that small era where they tried to do like a live action TV show. Do you remember that? The next mutation? I do. They tried yes. to do that. And um, I don't know if there's huge fans of that actual show. I know they did elements of the live actions, which it was kind of cool, but it was in the it was in the showtime of the Power Rangers. So they were just trying to do more Power Ranger esque type things. It wasn't my cup of tea, you know what I'm saying? But, it, you know, if you liked it, you liked it. And then, you know, they had the 20, they had the uh, the 2000 era where they went a little bit more buff, a little more rugged, a little more edgy. And then they had the 2012, which in my opinion is like probably the best version of the Turtles up until Mayhem because it kind of mixed in everything together with things that we grew up with because the people that did that show are people like you and me of the, of the age, right, of that era. Um, so going into it, it, it was really like hush too. They didn't really give too much details. You just knew Rogan was into it and uh, Evan Goldberg was into it. So you knew those guys, obviously, 
you know, they did um, Pineapple Express. They did, um, what's that movie? Uh, Super Bad. They did that. They did a bunch of other movies together. Super Bad, so, yeah. Right. So, uh, of course, the humor was going to be there. Um, the, the thing I like going jumping into the movie, the thing I liked about it is that they, they were actually teenagers. Yeah. Because I felt like, I don't know if you kind of felt like the same way, like watching the Turtles, even the cartoon. Like, I felt like they were like 18, 19, 20. Like, they were kind of like college dudes. Like young adults. Yeah. They were like more like, you, you know, that meme, like saw dudes, like those frat boys. Like, they, I always felt like they were that age of teenagers, like kind of like going to, like you said, young adults. And uh, this is the first version where like they were actually like, kids like you know i would say like 13 14 15 you know and uh the fact that they actually got teenagers and it wasn't like an adult telling them how to act like teenagers like you felt that energy like throughout the show i mean throughout the movie but uh, yeah, I, I go ahead no yeah no i was gonna agree um the first thing the very first thing i noticed as soon as the movie kicked off was it felt it it didn't necessarily feel like a Ninja Turtles movie, but right. then once you kind of started watching it, you were like, okay, I I get it because stylistically, this was totally different than anything else oh, they've yeah, ever played. Yeah, it's like the way it looked and the way it was put together and the way mm -hmm. it was shot. Everything mm -hmm. about this was totally different than every other any of the animated series, at least. Like, oh yeah, for sure, for sure. Artistically, and you left one. You left a really good one off your list, by the way. And this is a, this is a callback to my age. Okay, okay. The live Broadway Teenage Mutant Ninja <laughs> Turtles play. That was it, and it's they a, released it. It was a Pizza Hut exclusive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The concert. VHS. The concert. Yeah. yeah the, yes, sir. They were like rock stars. Yeah. They were like rock stars, dude. <laughs> oh my. God. And they had the TVs up, and they would show like the backstage vignettes of yeah, them like yeah. fighting Shredder and stuff, and then they'd run back out on stage and play. Music. Yeah. Yeah. What was they? They had a song. They had a song. Um, I don't want to say "Rock in the Shell." Oh, maybe it was that. But they had a couple songs that I remember because I remember getting a a VHS about behind the scenes and that was one of the one of the videos that i remember getting was like them talking about doing like this broadway show and it's so good that you remember that because i feel like that's such a niche area in the turtles like legacy that like people <laughs> kind of forget you know um yeah it's, you know what's up it is funny you say that some people complain about the the turtles three um costumes but that pizza hut one I don't know, man. Yeah. I, I come when you compare the two, I would take the Turtles three over the. I mean, dude, they had denim vests, like no shells. They had no shells. Oh my I, gosh, I like it. They were they, <laughs> they were up there trying to be poison and shit. Like <laughs> <laughs> you had like Raphael trying to be like freaking Brent Michaels. You know what I'm saying? Um, but yeah, oh, like. God. But yeah, like the 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 um the feel of the movie, it kind of gave me like um, it kind of gave me I don't know if this is kind of a weird comparison, but like I kind of gave me like a little bit of Goonies vibe. It definitely had that like little brothers group together, yeah, like, thrown yeah. together that misfit group. Um, Stranger Things is another good one where another, it's like a yeah, misfit yeah. like group of kids thrown together. This was. After finishing it and looking at it, 
Seth Rogen has a Teenage Mutant Nerd Ninja Turtles timeline. Uh-huh. The same way Rob Zombie has one for the Halloween <laughs> series now. You know what I mean? Like, he yeah. took an entire series. He kept the kind of the general feel and basis yeah. of what the story was. But he was like, no, nah, this is how we're going to do it now. And this is our version of why the Ninja Turtles are Ninja Turtles. And right. it's kind of the same thing of what Rob Zombie did with the Halloween series. True, he kept true. the core of what it was and then expanded on it and kind of brushed it with his coat of paint. Right, and I feel right. like that's what you know Seth Rogen and Goldberg did here too. They kind of took the Ninja Turtles lore and made it their own. Right, and I feel like, and I feel like this is the uh, because you know, um, the Michael Bay version of the Turtles. Um, you know, I just felt like you know Michael Bay just saw money in the Turtles because Turtles have this thing where they they just produce money in any content or anything that they do they're going to have a, a market, right? So I felt like Michael Bay just saw that and was like, well, let me try to make Turtles but Transformers. So he kind of like really, really went away from everything that the Turtles were about. I mean, the Turtles were never supposed to be strong, muscular. I mean, dude, the, the Turtles were like 12 feet, you know what I'm saying, in that movie. They were like huge. Um, and like Teenage. Yeah, teenage mutant like that's an important piece of <laughs> yeah. this equation is they're you know they're teenagers with attitude like right. think about what was happening in 1992 in la like there were lo lots of people had attitudes in 1992 that was the vibe of what was happening right and right. so like to make them these 12 and 13 foot tall monsters is everything they're supposed to be the underdogs kicking ass that's who exactly. they were built to be exactly so make them larger than life it's not the turtles anymore dude they made they basically made like four hulks because they were taking out like tanks you know what i'm saying they were like pushing like um hummers like the turtles never did that and not to say that like maybe that somebody might like that version but it just it just in my opinion i don't think it connected with a lot of people you know in the end um but this totally totally like um erased that from my memory Thank goodness. And uh, the, the the movie, though, because like that, I know there's like a lot of themes that goes through this movie. And I think one of the themes that like they didn't really um, piece together in the other ones or it really add in the other movies and even like the comic books, too, is the the feeling of like being filled of like they want to feel uh, let, they don't want to be left out. They want to fit in, you know, and like that theme is all throughout the movie, even when it gets to April O'Neil, like, you know, just feeling like an outcast just feeling like, you know, the world is against you and stuff like that. They kind of like humanized the turtles and made it more relatable. Um, and I thought that was a smart move on them. No, absolutely. They did. It was Seth Rogen and uh, the uh, Evan Goldberg. Is yeah, that Evan right? Goldberg. Yeah, Evan Goldberg. Uh, what they did well was they took the story and they were to, able to adapt cultural things in today's world into this yes. into this movie because it wasn't just you know it was making sure everybody united as one and making sure like the the pull together and making sure they work as a community and if you want to look at it at those big broad strokes like that they get a good job of like you know let's all come together to beat the bad guy you know exactly. and that was kind of like they did a great job of it if that's is that's as broad as you want to look at it then they knocked it out of the park Oh, for sure. For sure. I mean, like, 
it kind of like I mean because they wrote super bad that was kind of an element that was in super bad you know what I'm saying Jonah Hill's character was that character like everyone's growing up in front of me and I'm gonna be stuck here and I'm gonna feel lonely because my friend is leaving like that's kind of like a, a feeling that they have within the turtles too like um we want to be liked amongst the humans like why can't we coexist you know what I'm saying and the fact that like they don't have a true answer why like just because they're just walking living turtles um this is just not enough for them like why can't we just all get along um seems to be like the the real push on the theme and in a way like like you said like that's a cultural thing you know what i'm saying like i, I feel like that that's a thing that sometimes we always ask ourselves like no you know we're all human beings but is this the one thing that the reason why you don't like me is because of this so i felt like bringing that to the forefront was really smart on their part another uh, thing the, yeah go ahead no, the the old homage of like being a parent and telling your kids no you can't do something makes them want to do it that much more and oh, it was kind of like you know the whole idea of them wanting to go up there with the humans and be accepted and splinters and it's, you know, very reminiscent of certain parts of the country. You look yeah. at it like Splinter's like, no, they don't want us. You know, in his own way, you know, he was being hateful towards the humans for no reason. Mm -hmm. And it was one of those like guilty by association things. Yeah. And it was like where well, you can see down the middle line where both sides are wrong. And there's mm -hmm. that little bit of gray area where the overlap happens. Right. Right. And at yeah. the same time, it's it's funny, too, because like everyone has a, a overprotective parent, you know, for sure. Everybody has that. And I know that like looking up the reviews and uh, lead, reading on Reddit and, and all this other stuff and social media that some people didn't like the aspect of Splinter not having that martial arts sensei type of vibe um, in his character. But I thought how could because in all the versions of splinter like he never really stood out in some way so i felt like how could you flip that and make him be more important to the turtles than just like oh yes sensei or yes dad you know what i'm saying like you got to really implement like why why is he important to the turtles on an emotional level right and he's overprotective like everyone can relate to that and, and then you know they even give him a little side story of like why he's overprotective because of this trauma thing happened to him and he doesn't want his kids to go through that. That's totally relatable. And that was smart on them. They used a callback from the original, original uh, live action movie as well here, because when Splinter learned martial arts as a pet rat before he got <laughs> ooze on him, yeah. he was like mimicking what is, what is like master did or whatever. Yeah. Right? Yeah. 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 And yeah. that's how he taught the turtles later. And this one, they're just like, nah, man, we got to figure out how to kick ass. Let's watch some old VHS tapes. Yes, and they yeah. were learning like Bruce Lee moves. <laughs> martial arts, like Bruce Lee rented DVDs. Yeah. Like, <laughs> And I was like, that's funny. Like there were a couple moments like that where I was like, that's a callback to the original one, but it's like a, they intentionally made it cheesy. And yes. I love that. I yes. love just a little bit of extra cheese turned up to, to make it nostalgic because they don't want you to take it too serious. Right. And that's the, that's like the, I feel is the point too with Ninja Turtles. Cause like when Kevin Eastman and Peter Laird made this, it was, it was a joke. It was to be sarcastic. Because if we're going to go back a little bit, right, a little sidebar, at the time that they made the Turtles, you know, um, Young Justice, um, there was like a younger version of the X-Men, all of that teenage type stuff had been 
coming out in comic books, right? Everything was teenage, which is the reason why they they named it Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. And at that point, everything kind of looked the same, whether they were DC or Marvel. It was still a human being having powers. So, like, how can they stand out? Oh, let's make a turtle who's slow and have him move like a ninja. Like, how is that possible, you know? And so that was the whole point. So the, the whole point is oxymoron. not exactly, exactly. And so the whole point is not to take them seriously. And I, I love that. I love that how they kept that theme in mayhem too. Um, and you talked about the animation, right? We talked about the animation. The animation, in to me, I, I feel it is so, so, so excellently done. I mean, every frame that the turtles are in are just a different art style almost throughout the the entire movie. Um, when they when they're when they're together, like the art style is kind of like this graffiti unfinished blueprint type, right? It's very vibrant, right? Then when they get to the fight scenes, it's a lot more polished, like how an action or or an old kung fu movie is. Like you see all the movements. They even do the matrix shots where they do the whole rotation and everything like that, and still incorporating art within the frame. And I thought how they did that was really really smart too because. You know, in in some of these movies nowadays, like you kind of get kind of bored just looking at the same thing. You know what I'm saying? So like, you know, uh, them knowing that people's attention span has gotten shorter, they're kind of looking like, how can we keep the people looking at the screen without kind of dozing off? You know, and I thought that was the intent and I thought it was great. What, what about you? What did you think about the, the art style and animation? When it first came on, like I said, that was one of the first things that stood out to me was how different it looked. I loved the cell shading comic book graphic novel feel to it. Yeah. It was like a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles mixed with, uh, you remember Sin City? Yeah, of course, dude. Yeah. Yeah. Like that's kind of, it was like a Ninja Turtles mixed with Sin City that, or like that really, like you said, graffiti kind of underground. Everything like a Frank Miller, like, like Frank Miller's. Um, yeah, these, even uh, the Batman, explosions. Yeah, in the opening credits where the 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 lab exploded, and it was like the it looked like somebody took their pen and just like circled a bunch of little like yeah, you know, yeah, like you would yeah. do in your notebooks when you would do it exactly exactly. I loved how like real and raw it looked. Like it looked like they could have just taken the the animator's sketchbook and just been like. Yeah. And just like flipped through exactly. it like that's kind of what it, it looked cool though it was really well done they shot it like an action movie bro mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. some of the tracking shots where they're coming like the turtle was running this way through door frames and the camera is moving backwards with him yeah you know what i mean like those were shot like it was in an action movie but it's an animated movie right. so they shot it with the idea as if it was live action exactly. which i think was super cool it, and it's like it hasn't really been done it for the turtles you know what i'm saying no. and, and and especially with the animation style that they're doing because you know they are ninjas um so they have to give that type of effect how can they do that right within a shot so they did that i thought that um you ever seen um you ever seen umbach yeah with tony jaw okay mm -hmm. um so you remember one of them was directed by quentin tarantino so remember the one where he goes in through the hotel and it's the camera is moving as he's moving throughout the hotel. I felt like they did a couple of those scenes in in the Turtles Mayhem movie, um, especially when they're go that first scene where they're going through the the restaurant and everything like that um, was kind of the same feel. Um, I thought almost Wes Anderson like if you've ever seen Life Aquatic where yes, they go across yeah, the yeah, shot yeah. of the, yeah. the boat. 
and they show everything like the the between the floors where the pipes are and shit. Uh-huh. And they give you like the full and anatomical 3D view of like the buildings or when the car goes by. It was the bus at one point, I think. Yeah. And they did a very cool it was I thought Wes Anderson, but I see what you're talking no, about. No, no, you're right, because like, you're right there, because I was thinking Royal Tenenbaums. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and they did it with a couple shots where they yeah, would say the turtle would be the center and then the camera would pan out and you'd realize there's like a whole room around him or something. Yep. 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 yep it wasn't yep, yep. shot like an animated movie. And that's what was cool about it. No, and dude, that first scene with Baxter Stockman in the lab, like you just see him and then it kind of like pans and circle motion that you see the other mutants being made and everything in those tubes. It's like, yo, when that scene happened, I'm like, I know this is not going to be the same. Especially that scene when they're when the SWAT team is all in that bus, and that weird angle that they had, like I felt like I was in that in that same bus with those people too. Um, another style that I also kind of felt like they did a little homage to a little bit, maybe it wasn't intentionally, but those mad comic books. I mean, those mad magazines. Do you remember those? Like, well, like, they, like, like remember Spider Mad TV Spy and shit like that. Yeah, like, I know yeah, 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 yeah. Like that art style, I felt was was like put on the humans. I don't know if it was then intentionally to to make me think of that, but that's one art style that I, I definitely remember. Um, the humans to me came across as very, I don't want to say villainous because I know by the end of the movie, everybody kissed and made up and it was yeah, all, everybody yeah. came together. Yeah. But up until that point, outside of April, the humans weren't held in a very good light. That's what I'm saying. No. Like it did a very good job of showing in the world how like they'll have you be skewed opinions on the mutants or, uh-huh. or on the turtles, on the humans, and then on the bad mutants. And they right. do a good job. And it's one of those like this is one of those like pull the curtain back and film study stuff. But it, they've done studies about it. How when you do movies and film, you do things in sets of three. So you had three sets yes. of characters here. You had the humans, you had the bad mutants, and you had the the turtles. And at some points, I wrote down, like, Superfly is really not that bad of a guy. Right. He's just mm-hmm. kind of an asshole. Yes. Like, yes. that was the thing about it. Like, there were points where the even the turtles were like, you know, like that's kind of the same vibe we want. You're just going about it wrong. Yeah. Like, it was very <laughs> Thanos of him. Yes. You know? Yeah, exactly. And it's And it's... Because he had his whole message is like, well, they're never going to accept us. So we're going to make them be like us then, you know, which is kind of like, yeah, that's a very Thanos thing. You know what I'm saying? Like, I want to reset the world to make the world better. Oh, how are you going to do that? Well, I got to kill everybody. So, oh, wait a minute. Hold on. You know, let's, let's think yeah. about that. Right? We can talk about this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's definitely the vibe. And so like also too, when the movie starts all throughout the movie, hip hop is played almost throughout the entire movie, man. And I've always felt like that's a connection that the turtles needed to have, right? Just for my point of view, and I'm glad that like it's you, me, and a bunch of other people feel the same way because um, I'm gonna go back to the 2012 series. The people that worked on the 2012 um, started doing that in their show. Obviously, they didn't have the rights to do a lot of the Wu Tang and MOP like this movie did, but in all of their music, they tried to simulate as much as that stuff that they could. Um, because the people that worked on the show were people like us that listened to hip hop and, you know, Bone Thugs and all that. So they tried to incorporate it into that show. And I felt like this kind of evolved into this movie. 
Um, I mean, dude, when when they started out and they're just gonna go steal sh- stuff and like go like pretty much like do their ninja stuff and they did MOP Annie up. Yeah. I mean, that was like the best uses of the music. They used No Diggity by Blackstreet. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. And dude, and and not with all respect to Pitch Perfect, right? With all respect, but I know Pitch Perfect kind of helped bring no diggity back into the mainstream but i'm glad they used it in turtles now because now i can associate to turtles instead of pitch perfect no offense but like <laughs> no you're right um i wrote down i said this is a teenage mutant ninja turtles for the adults who watched it as a kid yeah because there was a lot of this yeah. where i was like you know this would be great to watch with like my 10 year old but at mm-hmm. the same time, I was like, if my t- if if you watch it and you understand like the underlying like archetypes of what they're talking about, I'm like, this isn't a kids movie in a lot of ways. Right? Like, there's some straight up violent shit happening, and I'm like, this is like borderline Border- yeah. kids movie. <laughs> like if you look at it, like it's okay. There are points in some of those fight scenes where I was like, huh, that right. wouldn't have happened in Frozen. Like- <laughs> The they want to say that in Toy Story. Um, For sure, dude. No right? diggity. No diggity. Every montage had a banging soundtrack. Oh to my it. gosh, dude. The, the ODB track. Dude, uh, that's the that's the one. Yeah, yes, yeah. Uh, I wrote down: Is this a story about the Riz and Jizza forming Wu Tang Clan? Like when oh. they were walking through the, like the high school together, the four of them like getting down, looking at the list, and yeah. they were playing that ODB song. Yeah. That was like. This could be if you cut the track from the Wu Tang saga from Hulu, like when they're in high school forming yeah. the band. Yeah, I was like, this is what it is: four dudes hanging out in one of the like the Bronx in New York, uh-huh. bouncing from borough to borough, hanging out with their friends, trying to stay out of trouble, just right. wanted to be included. Like this is the Wu Tang Clan. That's what this movie was about. I mean, <laughs> I, I could, I definitely, I definitely see the association too. You know what I'm saying? And them, you know, linking up with uh, April O'Neil later on. It's just like, you know, when the Wu-Tang Clan started adding members as they started to get a bit popular and and started to really, really take off uh, and start doing 36 Chambers. I mean, I I definitely associate that for sure. Um, But yeah, using ODB in Turtles is like one of my favorite things. You know what I'm saying? Um, The the arc of April O'Neil, I felt like this version of April O'Neil as a character, it it like matches up to what the turtles vibe was because you know every version of April she was always just like that bridge to the humans. You know what I'm saying? It's like the one person that understood what they were going through, and I'm gonna try to make them um, coexist with with my with my human race so that they can get along and we all can get along. But the fact that April was actually going through stuff just like the Turtles were, you know, I'm saying being an outcast and being made fun of for being puke girl and all this stuff. It it made things more relatable and it gave her, I felt like the best version of April O'Neil, in my opinion, because like it it made her totally relatable. And and even to the people that are watching the the movie, like everyone's been in April O'Neil's position, you know, saying being humiliated in front of live people watching you like, you know, everyone has that story where like, they go to speech class, they give a speech and they like, they totally bomb, like, which was the same thing would happen with April. Like I, I, I totally liked it. Um, and, and for me, I thought making her also a teenager too, like also helped as well. The big one is they, I, I'll bring them up every time because I'm old. April 
in the original one was a news reporter. In mm-hmm. this one, April is a high school student who wants to become a news reporter. Right. So you see her like running around with her phone, doing like found footage shit with her <laughs> iPhone. And she's yeah, like, yeah. When she yells at to him and she was like, um, don't let me film you like giving the bad guys the last piece to his evil puzzle. Yeah. Like <laughs> she's like, trying to be, a, you know, an investigative journalist. I love the fact that they kept those little subtle callbacks. Like I mm-hmm. said, the Rob Zombie timeline. This is them going, okay, April was a reporter. April is still a reporter. She's just a 16 year old porter learning the ropes. Right. You know what I mean? Like, right. So they kept a little bit of the same shell, but this is the new version of it. I liked how, uh there was one point where april was talking to him and she was like uh they were do you think people will accept us will will the humans like us and she was just like no like <laughs> it was just like no they're not they're not gonna like you like, right 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 like <laughs> like she was beautiful she was she was like definitely honest and i felt like she was definitely a new york girl you know what I'm saying mm-hmm. a girl from brooklyn a girl from queens a girl you know what i'm saying which which i thought like <clears throat> Like, I thought, which was good representation on their part to get, like, the whole New York vibe, the personality of of everything that happens in that city. And, like, that's de- definitely what I felt, like, going into it. Um, and, and the elements of, of making even just the art style feel like you were in New York, because that's how I felt watching the mayhem is like, oh, I feel like I'm there, you know? Um, the, the other thing, too, Superfly, Ice Cube, Right having him be not using the Baxter Stockman and, and kind of saving him for later and using Superfly as kind of a new character, kind of, I thought was smart on their part. And then also adding on the other mutants, you know what I'm saying? Mondo Gecko, obviously Bebop and Rocksteady, um, you know, uh, what was his name? The Crocodile. Um, adding all those characters in there um, was smart too because you know sometimes you you want to see those on live action especially in a full length movie. Um, but yeah, do you remember any of those from back in the day? The two that stood out to me immediately were Bebop and Rocksteady, but they sure. were far to. This is where it's like the timeline is skewed now because we don't know what's going to happen. The the I don't want to get too far to the end of the movie, but the the what what were they called the the Foot Clan the Foot Soldiers the Foot Clan, yeah. So, yeah, those guys, Bebop and Rocksteady were like the generals or the lieutenants for Shredder. Yeah. So that he's here, they're good guys now. Is there going to be a heel turn? Like, oh. are, are we going to see them turn back heel again? Okay. Like, because there's a lot that goes into it. Because with all the mutants deciding, okay, we're going to be good guys. They're all chilling, like doing their thing. Um, I want to know, like. Are these going to continue to be good guys? Because they were never good guys in their original story arc. At least I don't personally remember Bebop and Rocksteady specifically ever being good guys. A lot of the other characters have story arcs depending on what you're reading or what comics you're in. Or they have story arcs where sometimes they're good, sometimes they're bad. They go back and forth. Very Vegeta of them. Uh, yeah. To throw an animated discussion in there, yeah, but yeah, yeah. shout out, shout out. Bebop and Roxetti were always the bad guys. I don't remember ever remember them being good guys with the turtles. No, so same. this is one of those. This is a huge question mark for me. No, I agree because everyone you said that the crocodile character was Leatherhead. Um, Leatherhead, they had Wingnut, they had uh, Ray Filet, uh, Genghis Frog. So the Genghis the, Frog, the, Ray Filet was voiced by uh, uh, Post Malone. Post Malone, yeah. That. Post Malone, yeah. yes, yeah, yeah, and and Bebop Rocksteady were both um, 
Seth, Seth Rogen, Rogen and John Cena. Correct. Right, which is uh, pretty crazy. The, uh, Mondo Gecko was Paul Rudd. Paul Ant-Man. Rudd, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then I think Leatherhead was voiced by Rose Byrne, I believe. I think so. I had the IMDb pulled up while I was okay, watching okay. Um, yeah, and I, 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 and when you read who, who's been, who's voice acting some of the, uh, the characters, I do like how, um, Seth Rogen and, and Evan kept a lot of their friends involved in their movies. You know, m- m- much like what I do for my podcast. Um, <laughs> it's funny how that works together. Yeah, how we yeah, are, right? <laughs> like, our circles overlap, and you can yeah. find us all interchanging from network to network. And for show real, show. for real. Um, but yeah, no, but. The, the funny thing I saw um, when they brought up Gang, Genghis Frog, right? Because there's four frogs in the cartoon, if you remember. So I'm wondering, like, was there other frogs in that lab that kind of escape, you know, that we might find out later? You know what I'm saying? Because I thought that was cool. Um, and you remember in the cartoon how they showed that there were other frogs. I mean, other mutants, just like the turtles, you know, saying similar, uh, just in a different way. Um, so it'd be interesting uh, uh, if, if they have the other three show up. But yeah, that that kind of brings up to like what happens in the sequel is that, you know, spoilers, you know, Shredder is um shows up at the end and it makes you wonder, does he bring over the Foot Clan? Is the Foot Clan already uh, existing? Does Bebop or Rocksteady, are they just like, they realize this is not the life that they wanted to live with the turtles and, and be one with the mutants? Maybe the life that they're, is not working out for them. So they maybe they turn over to the bad side with, with, with Shredder and everything. Um, so and then who knows? I, I wouldn't mind having uh John Cena come back and voice uh a rock state again, you know, say so. I, I thought it was cool. There's a couple uh pieces in the story that made me laugh one liners. Uh, when they were in the school and he wanted to sign up his name, and they were like, Can you even write? <laughs> and he was like, Yeah, and he goes to sign his name and he signs Michael Angelo, and he it's not Michelangelo, it's First name Michael, last name Angelo. <laughs> and I was like, for some reason, I popped for that. And uh, this was the, I, I noticed it real soon, but I was like, Raphael's wearing a do rag. Yeah. Like he was the yeah. only one that wore a full do rag, like do rag Vince do rag, yeah. like all over his head. And I was like, he's got a straight do rag on. And I wrote Dude. it down in my, in my notes, do rag Ralph, because Dude I was like, Ralph. Yeah, I've never seen it before. I was like, he's the only one that had one, too. I was like, that's how you know when shit gets real. Ralph's the guy you want on your side. <laughs> like, he's the dude you know you're going to need to call out of the Oh, forum. dude, that dude. And then the whole, I feel like every version of Raph, they, they've either made him rage out more in every version, especially in this one. Like, he, when he like, flipped the car over, they were like, yeah. go be loud. And he's like, ah, and he flips the car over. <laughs> I like, was like, yeah, that, that fit it. The, the, totally, and I I I know that in the Michael Bay version they had him have a do rag as well, which was like you know one aesthetic that the Michael Bay um, team did. Like they put glasses on Donatello, which they I felt they've kept almost in other versions of Donatello, like this version, and then Rise of the Team NT, the little small cartoon had the glasses as well. So they kept that, which like I'm okay with. Um, the glasses, as, Michelangelo had braces. Yeah, uh, there were like small yeah. things from the real world that I, I was like, these are plot holes. But I mean, I'm going to give it to them because it's a movie. But it was like cell phones and the Internet and they could read and drive cars. And I Dude. was like, how the fuck they learned to do that in the store? Right. Like, <laughs> right. Um, I thought that was cool. And then uh, the drip, because 
Donatello wore that fanny prayer, uh, that fanny pack proud homie. Yeah. Like he did the whole time and he had his cell phone stuck in the little yo, holster yo, with it and yo. shit. And I was like, he's he's rocking that. Like he's wearing it proud. He is. Like, and the fact that like the fact that he, he's a BTS fan, like I mean his ringtone is butter, you know what I'm saying? Like I know a bunch <laughs> of people popped uh in the theater when they heard the tin 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 like, oh hell. When they're hooked up to the machine and yeah, they're like, yeah. Donatello, what would you want to do? And he was like, we could sing B- BTS. Yeah, they, they started singing. He's like, you guys don't even know the words. Like, <laughs> And it's funny because that's such a, even though like BTS is mainstream now, but that's such a, a, a teenage thing. You know what I'm saying? Um, the, the fact that they included a lot of pop culture stuff, like their first time like that you see them. They're like, what should we do after this? You know what I'm saying? And they're, they're like, oh, let's go watch a movie. Let's go this. And they're like, they're talking about Drake. They're talking about Adele. You know what I'm saying? Uh, referencing um, the Avengers. Beyonce how- con- they referenced the Be- a Beyonce con- uh, yeah. concert. Because they were like, they're, he's going to know we're lying. And they were like, no, he's a, he's a, you know, he's a hermit. He has no idea how long it takes us to the bodega and back. And they were yeah. like, last week you said that and we went to a Beyonce concert. Like... <laughs> And I I love I love that I love that because if it, it makes you feel like they're in our world even though you know they have their own world. Um, also the using Pratt, uh, the Chris cubed cutouts, the cardboard cutouts when he was oh, like, "Oh yeah, 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 human and meet more human friends." And he was like, <laughs> "Meet the Chris's and it's Chris Evans and Chris Pine and yep. Chris Pratt." Chris and Pratt. And I was yep. like, "That's yeah." <laughs> and it was so smart too because like there's because it's paramount so they want to make sure that they're also using paramount properties so they use chris pratt but from star trek like as captain yeah. <laughs> but yeah like the, the everything that they have all the easter eggs and they have i mean they're talking about going to the bodega and they're using the the slang term you know bacon egg and cheese you know what I'm saying? We outside doing all the stuff that the young kids, the memes do. You know what I'm saying? And then you see Michelangelo twerking all of a sudden. Like <laughs> <laughs> they wrote it from the perspective like somebody who's been to New York. And I yeah. always say that because when you they they used it to the like like we said the whole time the the graffiti the the mm-hmm. buses you know the trains and the subways like everything about the way it was done made it feel like it was shot in new york even though it was an animated movie and yeah. i think that's super cool that they took the de- attention to detail when they would show parts of times square and when they were going down the cities between like it was like the small details in the animation that they didn't have to do because they could have put it in some fictitious city that nobody would give a shit about but mm-hmm. they took the time to make you aware like yeah this is new york like yeah. you can see the big billboards on Times Square and shit. And I was like, that's cool that they took the time to make you realize you're looking at an animated New York City. Oh, for sure. For sure. For sure. And and that's what I loved about it, too, because I felt like in the uh, the Michael Bay, not to bash, not to bash again, but I just felt like you just didn't feel that way in those when you read when you watch the cartoon series and when you watch read the comic books like you felt like you were like in hell's kitchen and and deeper areas of brooklyn and the bronx you know what i'm saying so i like how like they definitely connected that vibe and in, into this uh into this movie um going into it though like you know when, when you look at how the movie ended and everything the one thing that they did i thought that was pretty pretty bold on their part is that they made them um coexist with the humans at the end right and how they're just looked at as heroes now because of what they did 
uh, in Save the City, uh, you know, Attack on Titan style. And I thought that was a bold move. I, I don't know what what's going to end up happening after this, um, but, but what do you think? Because they've never done that before in any versions of the Turtles. They've never coexisted. Right. And again, this is one of those weird, like, what are we going to do with, you know, this new timeline? Because them introducing Shredder at the end of it gives you the the cliffhanger of, mm-hmm. okay, we're obviously going to get a second one, which I'm super hyped for now. Yeah. Uh, now oh, that yeah. I've watched this one through, I'm like, hell yeah, I can't wait. I will go see it in theaters when it comes out. That's oh, how, yeah, for sure. That's for how sure. excited I am about it. Um, the, the introduction of Shredder, Bray, it's like these, you know, the skewed timelines. Now Shredder's here. Where is he going to interwoe? Like, where is he going to be on this timeline? Because some of these characters, like I said, were good guys and bad guys. But there mm-hmm. are characters that are good guys that were never good guys. So it gives you the opportunity to now to really expand on some of the story that you didn't, you wouldn't necessarily think you would get in out of a fucking cartoon, man. Right. Like to be completely honest, like you wouldn't think, okay, we know these guys used to be bad. Now they turn good again, but the ultimate bad guy is here. What happens right. if they turn bad again? Right. It's and the whole going into school and taking their mask off. Like I was kind of like, dude, medium cool on that. I was like, that's a bit of a stretch. That's a bold move. Like for them to take their bandanas off. And that's, that's how what I said. Them. I mean, that's how I look when I, my glasses are off, but like, that's how I feel too. If I walk <laughs> around without them, but right. when he dropped it down in the sewer, I was like, Oh no. And then right. I, when they shot to it and they were walking in the school, I was like, okay, they kept them in blue. Leo was in like the blue, like polo real tight. <laughs> he looked like him from Best Buy, dude. Like- yeah. He looked like a Best Buy. <laughs> like he was ready to sell you a laptop and a, you know, a, a cam. Yeah. Um, Michelangelo definitely looked like he was going to drive like a 67 Volkswagen <laughs> and he wanted to sell you an eighth of like seeds and stems. Like that's definitely his vibe. Yeah. Donatello yeah. looked like a lot like what I did in high school, like the nerdy dude with a hoodie that you were right, sure. Like right. we probably need to be nice to him. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and Raphael totally looked like a jock. Like he was definitely sports, you know, the more athleisure, you know, um, but yeah, like, going going uh leaving the theater that that was like my biggest thing i was just thinking about like how are they gonna coexist now you know and are all of them not just the turtles it's the fact that they know all of these mutant exist Mm, yeah in the sewer beneath them in the city like vibing out and eating pizza and taking like family photos and shit (laughs) so is this just normal life now right is it just what we're gonna have is that just normal shit that's happening day to day Mm mm-hmm and it's funny, like, does that mean that, like, oh, there's going to be a big thing where they, they start, like, you know, checking out all the sewers for other life forms? The, I think the question uh, that got me going is that, like, kind of like what you were saying, what's going to happen now with Shredder's involved? Just like, you know, how you see in comic books, right? Um, I kind of relate this a little bit to the X-Men comic books mostly, is that, like, you know, they're they're happy that the X-Men are there, but when shit happens, they're the first to blame. And I feel like that's what's going to happen maybe in the sequel is that Shredder's going to plot some seeds for them to look like it was the Turtles that did it when it was really the Foot Clan. And then there's going to be this big association with like, well, you're the ninjas. You know, we didn't know any other ninjas before you and it's you guys. So there's going to be that whole thing, kind of like when um, in, in the Superman movie. Um, where they kind of turned on Superman after what he did, where he like, you know, saved the world from Zod, but they turned on him because how many things he destroyed in the city. We um, kind of saw that here with Superfly. 
because yeah. it took a yeah. breaking into the news station to tell everybody she had to hijack the news feed mm-hmm. to be like, yo, don't kill the turtles. They're the good guys. They're trying to save and protect you. So up until that point, we kind of already saw that because that's when, you know, Splinter was out there fighting and raising hell and he had his old flashbacks to, you know, and he was like, oh shit, don't hurt me. Right. And uh, but then they realized oh, it was all of that, but that was going down and she had to go on the airwaves and be like, stop attacking the turtles. So we already got a little piece of that. You're right. This- and now that I'm thinking about it, they might go the route of, uh, is it far from home where um, uh, Mysterio shows that like fake a video of Peter Parker killing him. And maybe that's what end up shredder ends up using is that same uh, something footage, like similar to that and just blames it on the turtles. Shredder's I- a really badass person. But at the core of who Shredder is, he's still a person. Yes. Because in, unless they make him something else, in the original series, he doesn't become superhuman until he, in The Secret of the Ooze, I think it was the second one, yeah, the where second he one, drinks yeah. the ooze and becomes super Shredder. Yeah. Um, he's always just been a human into that point. A really badass human, but a human nonetheless. Mm-hmm. So in this one, I could see him being like, no humans, you're wrong. Like, we have to go down there. We have to get the mutants, mm-hmm. you know? And mm-hmm. he, like, forms a, a special secret forces army to go get them because he's a human going, we can't trust these guys. Right, right, right. I, I feel that same way because, you know, this movie was kind of lighthearted. It was fun. But I feel like the sequel is probably going to be a little bit more violent. in ter- Not violent in terms of killing, but a little bit more darker, a little bit more edgier, just because it's Shredder, you know? They're going to have to do something with it. The There's one thing that got me the whole time, the whole movie. Every time they talk about getting seen by humans or getting caught by humans, they're like, we're going to get milked. Yeah. We don't want to get milked. We don't want to get milked. And by God, if at the end of the movie, when the bad guys catch them and hook them up to the bad guy machine, it's not, please not the mega milter, milter yeah. 2000 just like there. I wrote down in my notes, they're getting milked like this whole time. That's their biggest fear. And somehow they worked it out where they're going to milk them for their ooze. And I was like, that's genius. Seth Rogen, get the fuck out of here. That man. is that is, And the <laughs> fact that splinter splinter told them that this was going to happen. You're gonna like, get what, are you, what are you doing here? What, is that a milking machine? And he's like, no. And then they show the sign, milking through that. That's a, not the Mega Milk in 2000. No. Going back on Splinter, going back on Splinter, I got to give a huge shout out to Jackie Chan, man. Dude, what he did for this. And um, I felt like Jackie Chan has never gotten the uh, the credit for being an actor. A lot of people know him for, you know, Bronx, Rumble in the Bronx and Super Cop and First Strike and, and obviously the uh, the uh, Rush Hour movies. But what he's able to do on a dramatic level, like, has he's never really gotten credit for. Like, um, you, you remember their version of The Karate Kid, right? Yes. Have you seen that? Okay. Yeah. Him playing um, the, uh, the master to uh, Jaden Smith, right? Jaden Smith's character, him being kind of like the Mr. Miyagi. And him being a, having a dramatic performance in there, him talk about his wife. I thought, you know, you can never see anyone perform that level like Jackie Chan did in, in that movie. I thought he was great. And he kind of brought a little bit of that element into the Splinter character, how he cares for the turtles and everything. And even though it was voice acting, like you definitely felt like that fatherly vibe all throughout his character, you know. Um, so I got to give a huge credit to, to Jackie Chan for that. 
I love Jackie Chan. Oh. A, a small piece of my my movie love has been old school kung fu flicks, mm-hmm. and I Jackie Chan is the the forefather of bringing Japanese uh, and uh, Japanese and Chinese style martial arts. Um, the the coolest thing about Jackie Chan, a lot of people don't even realize this, is he never trained martial arts in a dojo or with a sifu. He right. was trained. Because the Chinese government said, you're going to be an actor. So he went and trained with the Peking Opera House Mm -hmm. to be on like the Chinese version of Broadway. And while he was there, he got trained to be a martial artist for acting purposes. So he five animals and Shaolin Wu. Right. It was uh, Wing Chun. and Wing Chun, there you go. Yeah, and some of the a few of I used to be able to rattle off all the styles, but he eventually got master's degrees in all of these uh, these kung fu styles for the purpose of acting. So when mm-hmm. he broke over to America, and people were like, "It's a real life fucking Bruce Lee," like, yeah, <laughs> like this is this was it, like that's who he was. And I think it's funny because you look at him versus somebody like Jet Li, who yeah. somebody they they kind of go side by side. Jet Li, on the other hand, was trained by the Chinese military. Yes. Yeah. De- totally different style. Totally exactly. Different style, and you see you know? it in their acting too. Jet Li's always very straight laced and very like he's he's, a, he's trying a, to kill you. He's trying to exactly. kill you. Is what he, what's going on? Yeah. But speaking on the 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 way that Jackie Chan acts goes back to the way he was taught though. He was taught Mm -hmm. to be an actor from a very young age. He was trained to be an actor. He did, you know, theater and stuff. So I think that he doesn't get enough credit for how good of an actor he is for the fact that he's been acting since the seventies. Like think about it. The man's been acting in movies for damn near 50 years. I mean, when you think about it, I, you have to kind of make the connection of him inventing parkour. Oh, 100%. He had to be at the top of it. I mean, I hope the parkour community has him. You know how, like, the weightlifting community has Bruce Lee as, like, kind of an unsung fourth father of bodybuilding? Like, I hope the parkour community sees Jackie Chan in in that same light because nobody was doing stunts like that. Is it a Bronx tale where he runs up? There's the he's in that corner. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Rumble in the Bronx. Bronx tale is a different movie. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Rumble in the Bronx. Yeah. When he jumps from building to building. Yeah. Not a Bronx tale. Rumble in the Bronx. Yeah. Yeah. Bronx tale. We could cover that for another day. That's a good movie, though. Um, (laughs) No, but remember in First Strike where he, like, he does that thing where he goes through the ladder? Like, just in one shot, like, his whole body fits to that. Right through it. Yeah, dude. Like, Think about your biggest fear in life is when you're like climbing a ladder and slipping through, right? Yeah. They're like, okay, Mr. Chan, we're going to film you and you're going to jump and go through it. Uh, By the way, this might decapitate you. And he's just like, oh, no big deal. Boom, hits it, nails it. And he's like, all right, what's next? Oh, you need a second take? Like, (laughs) (laughs) Right, right. And everything that he did in Drunken Master and all that, dude, like those are, we might have to do a Jackie Chan thing next time. The cups, the water cups. Oh, and he's yeah. It, and he's yeah. like, don't spill your water. Yo, yo, yo. Crazy, dude. Because when you, it's not, it's, it's not like the little Chinese man on a mountain teaching you Kung Fu, but that's kind of how the monks were taught back in the day. So it was kind of cool to see it. You yeah. know what I mean? Like it's very that that little bit of realism behind it. And you see them pull the curtain back to see Jackie Chan. Cause he was taught that way. And now you see him 
acting how he was taught to act, if that makes sense. No, it's 100%. 100%. And and I felt like when they finally got the show Splinter Fight, they took like some of Jackie Chan's favorite fight scenes and just put it in Splinter. Because I swear there was like first strike in there. Um, I felt I felt like there was like oh what's that one uh police not police academy there's like something like that I forgot the name but it's like an older Jackie Chan movie, um in there definitely definitely Rumble in the Bronx oh Rumble in the Bronx is another one the drunken master because there were a few times during the fight where he looked like oh, that blue he did the push idiot. the drunk push yeah 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 yeah, yeah and he kind of yeah. had that little like wobble to him like you thought he looked kind of like a yes you know, a yeah friend. yeah old man and then all of a sudden he'd hit that pose and he would snap and he'd be like god damn calm, calm down like yeah. <laughs> dude, that was all, like they did a good job all of that from uh watching a video you know what i'm saying like yeah so yeah i thought that it was, was it was, was intense great. man like i said it was cool it was cool and i and I, that was the other thing i was gonna bring up too because i was also reading too that like uh on some of the reviews saying that you know the element of their ninjutsu wasn't really present and i felt like it was there all throughout the movie but it wasn't there in a traditional sense how it normally was you know every time they tell the turtles origin story it always tells talks about how they learn and study the art of ninjutsu and splinter gives the hands off the weapons and all that like i felt it was done but like you said in their version of how it was done not in the traditional sense i felt the the um the element of their ninjutsu was all throughout the movie you just have to just pay attention to it and it's it's there almost it's there throughout from beginning to end it's like the i use this analogy a lot because this has happened so much in the last few years it's like the 2023 version of but this is the 2023 version of them learning ninjutsu. This is them watching DVDs and seeing stuff yeah. on their phones and just re it's the generation of the YouTube mechanic, right? right? Like if I need something done on my car, I watch a YouTube video to right. see if I can do it. And right. then I'll be like, yeah, I can do that. Or I'll be like, right. no, I need to pay somebody to do that. I feel like they represented their ninjutsu through the iPad generation because exactly. they learned everything by watching videos and shit, the way that everybody learns stuff now. Exactly. So it was there. It was just this version of how they like their version of osmosis. You know, they yes. learned it in the original way. Splinter watched his master splinter taught the turtles in this way. Splinter was like, I got to teach them to defend themselves. So he just watched a bunch of DVDs and videos and stuff on how to do it. Exactly. So it's the same thing, but just slightly different. Like I said, the Rob zombie timeline. No, you're 100 percent because I was going to say, you know, you and I obviously have podcasts and we, you know, we edit and do stuff on different social media and, and all that. Uh, how many times have you looked on YouTube and be like, how to? You know, a million times. Yeah, if I don't exactly. know something on a, I still to this day, I use Adobe. So that's okay. Photoshop and InDesign, yeah. Premiere yep, Pro. Yep, yep. So if I don't know how to do something. I'm Googling it. I'm YouTubing it. Like how yeah. do, I've been using these programs for three years and I still learning how to do stuff. And I'm like, oh, this is good. Yeah. Like, and it's like little baby things. Like this is how to add like a white transition. And I'm like, right, right. how I edit videos. Oh, dude. I learned on, that like, shit from like YouTube stuff. Not just that, like but, how to make a, how to make a simple filter on whatever Instagram or whatever, uh -huh. make it like make your videos or, you know, TikToks or editing easier. Like, yeah, I, I've done that. I did that today. You know, saying like, you know, how to adjust color, like color washouts and stuff. Yeah. And it's like, <laughs> that's genius. Like, it's like three little clicks and then it's like perfect. And you're like, 
all of my shits like you automatically go man this look like shit for the last five years now yeah like and it's all because you forgot to click one little box right like right that one box and it's like right. changes everything or or instead of just uh using your your camera lens and a standard you didn't use like the 6.5 you know so yeah. that's always been there you know what i'm saying mm -hmm. um but yeah not not to get off on a little like tangent <laughs> but like yeah but that's exactly it plays into exactly what we're talking about because yeah, yeah how it's many the 2023 generation of learning on the fly and being an ipad kid exactly exactly and and it shows because a lot a lot of the people today you know just like you and i um they learn quick when it comes to stuff like that you know what i'm saying and so um them learning the way that they learn through videos who's to say that you know that didn't help i mean obviously it did in the movie so um i also want to send a shout out to uh trent reznor nine inch nails who Love also did the score bro Dude, I listened to the entire um uh soundtrack with them. Oh my gosh, dude. They they 90 Snails uh, again, another group that doesn't get enough credit in the in the world. Um a lot of put a lot of people put them in like the rock alternative, but I feel like they they're kind of like Grateful Dead, like they're in their kind of own lane. Like as a deadhead, I completely agree with you. Okay. I okay. feel like okay. 9 Inch Nails they're not metal they're not techno they're not like grunge or punk or alt yeah. they're this weird blending of everything because when i saw i've seen nine inch nails twice in concert once they brought out an edm dj to play with them yes and then the second time i saw them at bonnaroo they had the dillinger escape plan come out which is a five-piece like throw down heavy metal like hardcore mm -hmm. band Mm -hmm. And they played with Nine Inch Nails and Dillinger and Skate Plan both on stage with like 13 people and did like this epic metal jam that was like, so and it's it, funny to say the Grateful Dead because that's what the Grateful Dead would do. Would go yeah. up there and jam for 40 minutes. I watched Nine Inch Nails do that exact same shit with like a throwdown heavy metal hardcore band. It was awesome. Yeah, and, so, they, and they rocked. They rocked. Kids, yeah. Oh, for yes. sure, man. For sure. Like... And like th that's what I like when you have two worlds that kind of fit in other elements of of each other and they share kind of the same thing, like it works. I mean, you know, um, what's his name? Atticus Ross is that the other guy too? Um, that was yeah, uh, that's the yeah, was, yes, I think so. Atticus, yeah, so it's him and Trent Reznor that did the uh, that they did the um the the soundtrack, the original score. I mean, basically Nine Inch Nails if you think about it. Uh, but he was the guitar player, wasn't he? He was the guitar player, yeah. Yeah. And it's it's cool because like a, a lot of Nine Inch Nails and what Trent Reznor did, like, is woven throughout a lot of music. People just don't know because they're, they're the type of people that don't really want the credit like that. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, they they rather have their work speak for themselves. Um uh, uh, tying I, it into the hip hop world. Yeah. It's like uh a Dr. Dre or somebody like that who's produced a hundred different artists and unless you flip the cd over and read the back you wouldn't even realize dr dre had anything to do with that album exactly you know, that's how exactly. Trent Reznor is in the rock world he will help produce and help write and all of that for bands and you won't even know trent Reznor had anything to do with it unless you read the the publication rights and the writer's right. rights and all right. of that and you know you get their ass cap look on the back and it's like who's getting royalties and it's like trent Reznor. yeah you're like holy Justin shit. Bieber's right. song yeah. 
like yeah like Trent Reznor helped Kanye West on this whoa what's yeah. going on you know like yeah for real like he's yeah. that dude <laughs> yeah and it and it's so cool it's so cool because Nine Inch Nails is is from the Turtles era too like they 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 were coming out and and popping and making a wave the same time that the original movie came out if not the comic book so they were they were definitely mid to late 90s on their biggest push oh yeah uh, further down the spiral and then i can't remember what the one that they had one that came out my freshman year of college the fall of 04 and i can't remember the name of it right off but it was the album or the song the album oh okay um, okay uh, the album came out in 04. It was my fall of my freshman year when it came out. And I just remember it was like when Tool releases an album, to put it in another perspective of one of those really like out there rock bands. Uh, they had released an album once every 10 years and it's a big fucking deal. That's how it was with Nine Inch Nails. Like they hadn't released an album in like six or seven years. So when it came out uh, with Teeth, that's the name oh, of the Nine Inch Teeth. Nails album. Okay, I thought you were thinking yeah. the, the Fraggle the fragile the fragile was the one that came out before was further before? down the okay, spiral okay, okay. um because down the spiral the fragile then further down the spiral and then it was with teeth i believe okay, with teeth. gotcha okay um but yeah dude wow i can't believe you got me talking about nine inch nails and dude, come on man okay, on of a, course on a oh, wednesday on. just look <laughs> what on. did we do <laughs> it's about the ninja turtles bro <laughs> but it, it all ties in it all ties in yeah. you know, we're talking nine inch nails grateful dead you know what i'm saying um but yeah like i i, I love when um they blend stuff together to, to make one whole thing uh it kind of just brings birth of, of fr uh, fresh air into the uh into the whole concept of what it is to be ninja turtles because you know, when when you go to um, school, right, when they have super, superhero themes, right, um, you know, I'm going to shout out my, my niece. She wrote down her superheroes that she likes to the Ninja Turtles, right? Same thing with my daughter. She did, Natty did Ninja Turtles. And some of the kids are like, Ninja Turtles? Like, you know, they're always like, Ninja Turtles, because what you think when you hear superheroes, you think Batman, Superman, Spider-Man. But the Ninja Turtles are yeah, X-Men, right? But this, the Ninja Turtles are in that same vein. They're in that, but they're never looked as in that same group as superheroes for whatever reason. I look at them in the same group that I, not that I wouldn't say they're not superheroes at all. Mm -hmm. um, I look at them in the same vein that I do the Power Rangers. Okay, you know yeah. what I mean. And you, you said it earlier when you were like they were during the Power Rangers era, and that's how they wanted to adjust the Ninja Turtles to kind of fit it. But I kind of see them as more of like a fighting troop. Like a group, like the Avengers, you know what I mean? Not to say okay, they're okay. not super. It's like a group of people individually. The one single mutant, one Ninja Turtle, yes, could be in the X Men because theoretically it's the exact same thing. But I don't oh, yeah. look at them as when they they spend a lot of time in this movie calling them mutants. And in my head, I was like, so they're the same as the X Men then? Yes. Or the yes. some of the Avengers, you know? Like, um, but I was like, this isn't. That's not how I thought of them, but I guess that's how you would have to think of them, you know, in this new timeline is that they're mutants. Um, but it was cool. No, My question, yeah. did they have to do like baby Michelangelo so wrong like that? To make <laughs> him, like a little tubby bastard, like rolling around in the street and stuff. <laughs> Like, I didn't even bring that up, but it's in my notes, too. Like, the little tubby baby Michelangelo turtle. Like, that was hardcore. I was like, did they really have to do him like that? Because they showed him sitting there as a baby, like, at one point, like, just shoveling food in his mouth. And when they go outside <laughs> for the first time, he's, like, 
waddling around like a little soccer ball looking up. <laughs> I was like, did they need to do him like that? Right, right, right. <laughs> and when he rolls, he rolls like he's doing cartwheels, but he's a ball. So he's just like rolling. I was like, come on now. <laughs> like <laughs> I, I always yeah, they always put that uh silly element in Michelangelo to to you know saying to make it more relatable to the younger crowd and, and the the people that are like a little bit more on the humor side. Um which is why the last Ronin comic book is so important because they they go away from that. You know what I'm saying? They go away from that. Um, but yeah, dude, this is great. Do you have anything else you want to add to the, the Turtles man, man? No, I, I wrote down in my notes, thank you, Jess. Hey. Because I don't know when I would have got to this because it's been on my list for months to watch okay. since okay. it came out and got released. But with my schedule for work stuff and plus the recording schedule of podcastings and streams and all the wrestling that I watch. And, you know, plus, you know, my normal outside life, who knows when I would have actually sat down to watch this. I'm so glad that I agreed to do this show. So I would, and watching this movie fucking great, dude. So thank you. Just Hey man. Hey, likewise. Cause I, I know that you're a fan. I'm a fan. And, I've been waiting to do an episode like this with you. So I'm saying, um, you know, you're a friend of ours. And of course, I have to have you back. Before we close off, right? Last Ronin, right? I know that there's a new comic book coming out. I know y'all talked about it in Creation World. Shout out Creation World. Follow them. Check them out. Um, what, what, are you, what are your thoughts on the Last Ronin story and then what they're going to do later on? I said it today. This is where you start to get into the lore of the Ninja Turtles that was outside my reach. Um, When this had came out, I don't want to say I had aged out, but Mm -hmm. I wasn't actively watching and reading comics anymore. Um, Says the 37-year-old man who watches (laughs) wrestling five nights a week. You know what I mean? Right, 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 right. but like I wasn't I wasn't watching and reading comics. I still don't read a lot of comics anymore. I that was one thing from my youth that I never picked back up as an adult. I still play Pokemon and I still watch wrestling, but I never started reading comics again. And I feel like because of that, the last Ronin is one that I need to go back and pick up now because okay. it's one of the few things that I'm missing that I never actually seen or at least have a snippet of an idea of. But I brought it up to Matt. I get the general idea of the last Ronin. The idea of the second one where they're bringing more people in, the whole concept was he was the last one. Right. Like, period. Right. Everybody else was gone. Where did these other ones come from? Just like you were talking about in Mutant Mayhem, we saw other animals that were mutants, but we never saw them in this version of the movie. Are they going to be around later? Like, and that's the question for the new last Ronin is like, where did these, where did these new turtles come from? Right. Like, are they going to give us that plot hole, that plot hole and fill it up? I feel like that's what they're going to do. Cause I don't want to spoil anything that happens to, uh, happens at the end, at the end of the original last Ronin comic book that came out. But as everyone knows that there's new turtles now. Right. And I think what the second one's going to do is going to fill the gap of what the new turtles, cause they're totally new turtles. Like they have different names, um different genders like you know there's a there is a girl and there's uh i think there's three boys and one girl i think that's how it is i i have to go back and look but like and they're all shaped different um so and they have different totally names um so it's going to be interesting to see what they do um with this next group you know i'm saying and kind of spoilers they're not being trained by splinter or anything they're being trained by april o'neill and um Casey Jones's daughter well their daughter so that's who they're being trained by 
So it's kind of interesting to see what ends up happening with, with this new version of the Turtles in this new timeline like you're talking about. Um, they, they did say, going back on Mayhem, they did say that they're having Tales of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles on Paramount, which is supposed to be like a connection to the Mayhem and then lead up to the, the sequel movie. So I thought that that's pretty dope. Um, I know that like the whole graphic fonts came out recently. So we're getting a lot of turtles from this version of, of them from the Seth Rogen and Evan Goldberg. So I'm pretty excited as a, as a turtle fan. So can I speculate just for just a second? Go for it. Go for it. Did you ever play the telltale game series, like the walking dead and they did one for borderlands where it's like turn-based comic book style game. Yeah. This is the Ninja Turtles that needs a Telltale's game. Ah, okay. You yeah, know what I mean? That yeah, style yeah, of yeah. like that, comic uh-huh. book style video game. Yeah, this would yeah. be the Ninja Turtles that would do it. Like a turn-based like comic book style video game. Like like that Borderlands or that Walking Dead series. Yeah. I can't remember the other one. They had another one that was just knocked out of the park good. Um, but I think this would be the perfect series for a telltale games to pick up because the way the TV, the way the movie is shot would translate super easily into video games. Oh, and sure. with it being like a slow comic book style game, you wouldn't need a whole lot of quick cinematic stuff to happen. So in a perfect world, if there was a new Ninja turtle video game, they would do it in that manner using this story because oh, that would be sure. great. And yeah. that and that's an that's a part that they never really taken part of because everything's been like Street Fighter, Mortal Kombat base. You remember that hard ass Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Dude, game for Nintendo with the with the water level where you yeah. went down and you had to swim around and set the mines off. Dude, one of the hardest levels ever. It was it was completely hard, and then you found out later, way later, that the only person that you had to use is Donatello because uh-huh. he had the staff, and his his weapon is the only one that could reach far enough. And you didn't but, have to swim through the electrical yeah, fences. Yeah. You could just stick the, the yeah, stick out. Yeah, and, and it all turns it. off. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> now, see, I didn't learn that until like 15 years later. Like, you know what I'm saying? Dude, I'm going to download that on my emulator. I'm going to play that. I might stream that some tomorrow. Oh. Original Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Yeah. Because um, I have the uh, the Super NES Classic, and uh, my, my wife's IT uh, hacked it and put all these other games on there, right? So Turtles in nice. Time is a game that me and Natalie play all the time. And that's a good one. That's a good one. Um, I've got a, it's, I've got an emulator on my computer that allows me to stream. I can, you, I can screen capture and stream, but it's super Nintendo. Uh, I've got an SNES and NES and a GameCube controller. Oh, so that's dope. Yeah, man. And just that's download dope. them off the end. Completely illegal. Pirated. So do you, so, so do you play um, WrestleMania, the arcade? I have it, yeah. Like oh, the old school, like two button, like the midway, NES the one that was done it, yeah. by Midway. Oh mm-hmm. my gosh! Yeah. Uh, other than SmackDown versus Raw and Bring the Pain, WrestleMania Arcade by Midway is those are the three best wrestling games ever made, in my opinion. In my really early days of streaming, um, right when Botchbots first started doing like YouTube and shit, we I did uh, a streams where I would play Mike Tyson's Punch Out and the original WrestleMania. And I would play like the Wait story. Wait, that, that was you? Yeah, I did like an entire. Did you, guys, did you do WrestleMania too? Yeah. Right yeah, after I've I started, no, I was, I've I was seen learning. This. I've I was learning this. how to yeah. use like OBS and shit because I didn't know what I was doing. So I was trying to figure it out. And I still stream video games every now and then. Uh-huh. But I went back and I replayed um, Mike Tyson's Punch Out, and I'd play for like 
90 minute segments where I would get on and I would just stream it and I'd play like the one division, then I would stop. And then the next night I'd play the next division or play until I got beat or something like that. But I played through the whole game and each time I'd start at the same one using, I'd write down the passwords and shit in my notebook. So when I would start the stream over, I'd put the password in at the beginning of the game and start. Uh-huh, back. Uh-huh. Like, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. like the old school video games dude, dude, where you had to dude, like write down your I didn't know that was you guys. Yeah, we did um, that for a minute. Because like, uh, you know how like on Twitch, it's kind of like YouTube. They'll just give you other stuff that you're watching. So I was watching somebody play Concha, right? Because uh-huh. I never got far in that game. And they were like really far. And then like that stream ended for whatever reason. And then it just gave me a list of things. And Mike Tyson was one of them. Yeah. And dude. <laughs> I played Mike Tyson's punch out for like, it took me like a month to beat it, mm-hmm. uh, to play all the way through it. I still have some clips. I play Fortnite too. Okay. Like I'll stream okay. Fortnite and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, well, that's really awesome, man. But yeah, the next time we got probably do a Jackie Chan um, type of movie anthology and stuff like that um, when we get together. But will man, thank you for do doing this. sessions on some yeah. old oh, Dude, movies. you know that's gonna happen. Yeah. Um, if you want, go ahead and plug your socials. Dude, I appreciate it so much just for allowing me back here, man. It's always a pleasure when our paths cross. If you guys are interested in my shenanigans elsewhere and you don't already know, check out my link tree at the Will Gray, and you'll find everything I do for botch bots and share shots, Rivet City Radio, and Off the Top Media. Hey, that's right. And please, please subscribe to him. Follow him because you know what that will do? It boosts the algorithm. It helps find new listeners. Come on. Let's go. Let's go. And if you enjoyed this, this is your boy, Just. You can find me at Get Your Podcast on Instagram, Get Your Podcast on Twitter. You can also find me on Marks with Mikes at 9 p.m. Thursdays. Um, appreciate you doing this for me, homie. And um, yeah, man. Cowabunga. Cowabunga, bro. <laughs> Oh, you know, man. Oh, you know, man. Oh, you know, man.